Welcome to Three Films in a Podcast, the show where Destiny brought together three friends to enhance each other's cinematic journey by watching three new movies in a series of themed rounds. There is no claim of ownership on any film footage used in this episode, as all film footage is owned in its entirety by the copyright holders. And just like every car in Too Fast, Too Furious, this podcast contains spoilers. Enjoy! Hello and welcome back to another episode of Three Films and a Podcast, the show where three friends challenge each other to broaden their cinematic horizons through a series of unique themed rounds. My name is Ben Lawhorn and I'm coming to you from Salt Lake City. As always, I am joined by Tyler Beck up in Oregon. For the last time in Portland, Oregon. The last time. The, the last final, time. The final PDX show. <laughs> For those, uh, for those watching on YouTube, you'll notice the guitars are gone from the background. It's a very sad background, but that's Everything's okay. getting packed up. Yeah. I'm excited for new backgrounds next week. Yeah. It'll be good. It'll be fun to check in from the road. Coast to coast. Yeah. And our own little space goes here. Matt Weiler down in Pleasant Grove. <laughs> Hi, guys. Nice. <laughs> Hello. I like um, it. For those of you new to the show, welcome to the movie club. For those of you returning, welcome to the movie club. I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, what began as a club between the three of us, just a really long group chat has evolved into this podcast that you're listening to right now. So thank you so much for joining us. You can find us anywhere on social medias at three films pod. Uh, I mean, Instagram, we, we got a TikTok. Sure. We're like the teens. We're cool. Yeah. We're cool kids now. Practically um, making our way. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, your, your kids in first period are watching us on TikTok. Yeah, well, the teachers. So yeah. be hip and listen to us. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we also have our own website at threefilmspod.com where we have all of our merch, our Patreon. You can just find every single episode that we do there. So yeah, that's where you can find us. Go check it out. Uh, tonight, unfortunately, our guest was taken by Candyman. So it's just going to be the three of us that you're listening to. But hopefully, you know, we can we can live up to what we did a year ago and it was just the three of us all the time so. we were in contact with them and he's like one sec i want to try this candy man thing i were like no don't like, he's like don't this is it. bullshit it doesn't work like, li- dude, don't. <laughs> he's live streaming while he's it. doing it it's like did you not watch the movie like, it's not real um, it was pretty shocking I'm, I'm proud of us for for soldiering on that was pretty shocking stuff to witness it really was but this is the way that we deal with our grief yeah. is by recording yeah um I also didn't think I'd be talking about the movie already. So I had like a, a joke intro lined up, so I'm going to power through it anyway. So everyone's okay. pretending you didn't hear anything for the last like two minutes. Uh, I definitely just stole this completely from Matt, but I think it's kind of a fun thing to do. So this week we are going to be discussing a modern remake of a classic nineties horror film starring an actor that stands at six feet, three inches tall who will also be starring alongside Keanu Reeves in an upcoming fourth film of a franchise. No, I'm not talking about it starring Bill Skarsgård, who's going to be in John Wick four. I am talking about Candyman starring Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, who is going to be probably Morpheus in the next Matrix movie, Mm. which is pretty exciting. The only thing that matters to you is still here. I know it's why you're still fighting why you will never give up you don't know me no so we are going to take a trip down to caprini green as we talk about nia da costa's candy man which also stars uh, tiana paris who was in wandavision you probably remember her mm-hmm. from there i do uh and coleman domingo who 
was in stuff that I'm drawing a blank on right now. So when I saw him, I was like, I know that guy. Why do I know that guy? I'm going to cut all of this out. I didn't have that experience. So I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know this guy. I didn't recognize him. Um, what did I see him in? Oh, oh wait. He's yeah. in Euphoria and Zola. That's what I saw him in. When he first popped on screen, he's like, you kind of don't really see him that well. You know, he's like mm-hmm. kind of far away. I thought it was the dude from The Wire. Oh, what's his name? Oh, shoot. Cuddy. Look I thought he was Cuddy from The Wire. Cuddy. I don't know what his real name is, but um, anyways. It's not Coleman Domingo because that's this guy's name. It's not. Who I recognize from Zola um, and also in Euphoria. Wouldn't so, it be funny if it was Cuddy from The Wire? And I was it really would. Like, like, there's no way it's wrong. this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. It's no, Zola. definitely not that guy. <laughs> it's the guy from Zola. Yes. Uh, this is like kind of a, I've seen people throw out the term spiritual sequel. Um, I, as we were watching, I was wondering, is this like a reboot or a remake? I, I still don't really know how it falls in. I think it's kind of like that 2018 Halloween where that's what they say is the direct sequel to the original Halloween movie. Mm. Even though there's been like six other Halloween movies mm-hmm. so like, Oh no, this one's just a sequel from the original movie. I think that's how they're treating this. Cause there is a Candyman two and a Candyman three. Oh, I didn't even know that. I that's think funny. they've said like, no, forget those. This is the new direct path. The new timeline is it's this. like a retcon. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. So that's what we're going to be talking about today is the uh, 2021 Candyman. Um, Ooh. This gives me hope knowing that about this movie. It gives me hope for they can redo the last two seasons of Game of Thrones. They can do with Candyman. This is like proof of concept. People will be okay with it. Yeah. If you remake it well, it'll be fine. (laughs) Once the books come out, just redo those last two seasons. Do overs. Um, So, yeah, we decided we're going to do Halloween movies. Uh, You've just listened to hopefully the Ernest Scared Stupid episode. And before that, we talked about Scream. Um, I picked this because when i saw the trailer i was hooked oh mm. hooked Ouch. immediately hooked oh, um wow yes look at I you with like, the puns oh, this looks so good like i don't know if you guys have had that experience like i felt that way with guardians i'm trying to think of other movies where i just saw the trailers like i don't really know anything about this but the trailer is really like i just feel like this is a, a movie for me yeah um, mm-hmm. and i'm glad to report that i was right um this movie was so good i loved it and we're going to get into our thoughts on it um but yeah this kind of felt like a great retelling of the classic tale and another chicago movie which we've talked about mm-hmm. quite a bit recently um and just kind of about the landscape of america so um i know this was a first time for all of us but tyler i want to throw it to you to just hear what your thoughts were on the movie what was your experience with it yeah i mean you know, I, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here. Like everyone by this point knows. Uh, and if you don't know this about me, go back and re-listen all episodes available on Spotify, good pods, <laughs> wherever. But, you know, scary movies just aren't really my thing. And so I think I actually have seen the original Candyman. Oh, nice. but I don't remember anything about it. It just you repress I, I, it. Yeah, I think I had like, you know, I create my own headcanon. Matt yeah. Matt likes to point that out. So I think I created my own personal Nick Miller, story. Nick Miller's Candyman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nick Miller is not Candyman, but he for sure is terrified of Candyman, yes. having grown up in Chicago. Um, but no, in all honesty, like when you initially pitched this, I just was like, I can't get out of this. I have to watch this. 
But then we, you know, we sort of changed what we were going to do a few times. And so, and it's not even so much that like I had fun watching this, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not so much that after I watch a horror movie, I feel I like I never come out of a horror movie thinking like, I never want to watch another movie like that. I typically, when I do watch one, I typically enjoy it to some degree for the most part, probably because I'm pretty selective of the stuff that I choose to watch. So I don't know. I guess all this rambling to subscribe to shutter. You're not like watching all the horror movies every night. Right. Yeah. It just is kind of like, there are some that I end up seeing for whatever reason. I typically enjoy them, but I never want to watch them. And that's exactly what happened here. Um, I thought it was really, once I knew Jordan Peele was involved, I was like, okay, I'm going to be into this. Like the yeah. cinematography was really cool. I, I love the concept of the spirit living in the mirror. That's sort of, I love the, the mirror world concept and so cool. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I, I liked a lot about it. Um, I liked the social commentary. I liked the actors. Um, but having said that, I'll probably never watch it again, but you know, I, I had a good time with it. You know, what yeah. else, what else could you really ask for? I guess. What about you, Matt? Yeah. I mean, similar to, to Tyler when, well, similar to Tyler on several levels, I'm not a horror person. I've probably seen more horror. Um, I feel like I surround myself with a lot more horror people. So I, yeah. I end up, you know, take on secondhand horror watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I'm not a particular fan of the genre, uh, but I do appreciate a good horror movie. Um, but you put Jordan Peele's name on there and then I feel like there's a certain stylistic and quality standard that you can count on uh, just because his brand is kind of just over his, you know, his directorial work um, has been really great. And I know he didn't direct this, but I, I feel like since he was originally initially attached to the project and, you know, moved into a more production role or producer role. Uh, they had to have been very selective on on who they felt could, you know, hold that quality. Oh, yeah. And that style. And so Nia Dacosta does a really great job. And so all of a sudden, like just knowing that his production companies, you know, involved, it, it becomes more of more than a horror movie to me. It's it's yeah. not just horror. It's also, you know, more artistic and not to say that like other horror movies aren't. But like, you you know, that you're you know, you're getting a product. You, you know, so, you know, it's going to be in his brand. So, yeah, I think for me, like what you were just kind of saying, kind of like drove it home for me. It's just that I trust him. Right. Like, yeah, with any random horror movie, because I'm not like a big like Hollywood trivia guy. Like I don't read about who's doing what or whatever. So I don't know who's making stuff. Right. So like, but I know Jordan Peele, if I see his name, on, I'm like, oh, I can trust him that it's going to be the type of horror film that's not going to like be that it's a type of movie that will be worth me getting past my reservations right well honestly like i like ben like i saw the trailer and i was i was hooked like they use those paper figures which is super Mm, super awesome like such great storytelling um but like we started up the movie and i'm watching with angie and when it shows that it's produced by jordan peele she like had a sigh of relief like nice it was like oh okay like i can i can power through anything to watch you know a movie that he's produced so right yeah yeah he's not he's not just gonna like throw in jump scares to mess with people right you know he's not like doing gore i mean our obviously our experiences get out in us and the twilight zone you know which he helped produce as well that, that new remake so um yeah having his name attached to it 
has been honestly kind of a, a mixed bag, I think, in terms of the reception of it, because I understand why people are like announcing it as Jordan Peele's Candyman. But really, he was a producer. You know, it's mm-hmm. like calling this like this is Kevin Feige's Shang-Chi. It's like, no, I mean, he was like involved for sure. Mm-hmm. But this is like someone else. Granted, right. Jordan Peele did help write it. He had more involvement. But I just don't want to take away from what Nia DaCosta did because right. I think this was so beautifully shot. Like I loved the the choices that she made. I'm so excited to see what she does on this Captain Marvel sequel. The Marvels is what she's doing next, mm-hmm. um, which I think is just going to be so cool. I'm, I'm just the fact that whoever made that decision, I'm assuming saw an early cut of Candyman is like, Yes, she knows what she's doing. Hmm. Let's give her the Marvels. Cause like that's a big project, yeah. you know, to, to I do that. I didn't know with. that she was doing that. And now I'm I mean, I was already excited to see like anything Marvel, yeah. but now I'm like even more. And it's well, gonna tie in with the Miss Marvel Disney Plus show. So oh, like nice. they're both gonna be in the Marvels. So I think that'll be kind of cool. Right. And to your point, and like I said earlier, like Jordan Peele moved away from this project and you know he's going to put in someone who could you know hit it out of the park and i feel yeah, like right. acosta absolutely did yeah oh he's, for sure yeah he's got, still got a not necessarily a reputation to uphold i think he's not worried about that as much as just like he wants to put out a good product you know mm-hmm. it's under the monkey paw productions and yeah i think this lives up to everything else they've done um i really like the movie there is a lot there's a ton of exposition in the movie yeah but on the flip side of that, I think that's also why we get like rewarded with a 91 minute runtime because I think other movies spend that other hour, like not doing expo- exposition and like doing the backstory. So like, it was kind of nice to be like, Oh, mm-hmm. when's the last time we watched an hour and a half long movie? This is so good. But the trade off was having a character kind of like Coleman Domingo, who was just exposition. Like that's all he was there for. It's like, yeah, I'm going to tell you everything that happened, but it's good. Cause like people like me who haven't seen the original Candyman, like mm-hmm. I've since, you know, done some research on it and seen like what was tied together from that first film. And I'm like, Oh, that was, they explained it well enough though, that I was like, I was on board. I was following what was happening during the movie. It was great. Yeah. yeah. They also did it in some really unique ways. Like when he rented out that tape cassette from the library, mm, uh, when yeah. someone was like recording what happened with the original Candyman at the time of like when the first movie was set. Mm-hmm. So they did it in unique ways, but there was also just like a lot of it. Um, but I don't know how you get around it without making this a two hour and 15 minute movie. And yeah. so I feel like there's going to be complaints either way. And I was happy with what we got. I'm always down Me for too. a Dude, 90 for minute sure. movie. I can commit yeah. to whatever. I was super stoked to see the runtime. And for me, like the, like watching this movie, it felt like listening to a ghost story, right? Like because of the exposition, it really did feel like you were listening. It, it, to me, it just worked contextually Mm -hmm. because like, we're just listening to a ghost story where we also can actually see it playing out in front of us. But it was just kind of like listening to a story around a, a fire or something camping or wherever. And, so to me, it just worked. I didn't even think about the exposition because it just like it fit contextually for yeah. me. So and we're on record for wanting movies to be shorter. And honestly, yeah. there's nothing I would have added to this movie. Like I didn't want it to be longer after Mm-mm. at the end of it. Like this is this is exactly what we I wanted. So it was perfect. Yeah. For me, I felt like I was like, yeah, we just got everything we needed and we're done. This is great. Exactly. <laughs> you know? And yeah, to your point, it's crazy you say that because I paused the movie when her brother starts telling the story and I turned to Ashley and I was like man like urban legends are really just kind of like ghost stories huh you know and it's just like 
yeah uh you know it's, it's kind of like you know watching blues brothers like man this is like a musical it's like yeah it is <laughs> you know so it's like yeah urban legends kind of are like ghost stories we're just not sitting around a campfire like we're just like telling the stuff and it did it worked so well in that sense and i complained about the exposition but honestly it didn't hit me until afterwards I was like, man, there was a lot of like just explaining stuff in there. But while we were watching it, I was like, oh, this all kind of flows with the idea of a, a ghost story, you know, mm. that, that kind of a thing. So, yeah, I think it worked really well along those lines. I mean, I just kind of want to talk about the horror genre in general and some of the themes that this movie hit on, because I think, um, you know, Jordan Peele talked about when he made Get Out that it was a, um, a social thriller which I think made a lot of sense for any of you that have seen that. And I feel like that's kind of a lot of what his company is doing, the monkey pop productions. There's doing a lot of social commentary, social thriller kind of movies. Um, and this felt no different. I mean, this one was probably more on the nose with the message, you know, and some, some of those yeah. lines were amazing where they're talking oh, about, yeah. you know, like the white people made the ghetto. And then once they realized what they had made, they kicked everybody out so that they could like build high rises and stuff. And it's like, Man, some of the the messaging in this was really powerful to me. Like I, I really liked what they had to say about, you know, gentrifying neighborhoods. And it's like, yeah, they bring artists in because it's cheap. But then once the artists are there, it's like, well, now let's like let's like crank up the cost of like the rent and stuff like that, because now it's a gentrified neighborhood. Who do you think makes the hood? The city cuts off a community and waits for it to die. Then they invite developers in and say, hey, you artists, you young people, you white, preferably, or only, please come to the hood, it's cheap. And if you stick it out for a couple of years, we'll bring you a Whole Foods. Um, and that was a huge message, I think, as part of this, is just like kind of like moving out communities of color from places that they live, um, in theory, just so that like white people, you know, they can gentrify areas and make it, I don't know, different than what it was, mm -hmm. but this story I think told us so well, because it's almost like the trope of like building on like a, uh, Indian burial ground kind of thing. Like it's like yeah. you built here, but this is kind of a haunted place. And I think that was kind of a cool trope for them to go into with this movie because Cabrini green was where it took place for that first Candyman movie. So this like continues through, um, I just kind of want to hear you guys thoughts. I know I don't, I'm not really making a lot of sense. I'm just kind of rambling, but I just want to talk about horror movies in general. So many of them are used as commentary, whether it's like night of the living dead or, you know, invisible man about like, you know, believing a woman and what she's saying, you know, and like there, there's just so many things that I feel generally the horror movie does the best or, you know, the most explicitly is like on being like a social commentary. So yeah, I just want to throw that thought out there, Matt, what, what were your thoughts while watching this? Um, well, first I think in, Talking about gentrification, I think it's something that like it's such an eye-opening, an eye-opening theme and thing that's happening, you know, even now uh in the United States of America, and I'm sure elsewhere as well. But like for for the majority of white people, it's sort of a new concept that like we just haven't it's it's kind of been hiding in plain sight for most of our lives, and we haven't held a candle to it. Um, in the way that we have over the last you know few years, especially over th through through movies, and uh, it was just crazy because I had seen Boys in the Hood by John Singleton several times as a teenager, and just 
never understood Furious Styles, uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character's speech mm-hmm. on gentrification, which like to me, that explains it probably better than anywhere mm-hmm. I've ever heard. So if if you're if you're wondering more about gentrification and want it painted clear to you, go watch Boys <laughs> in the Hood. It's called gentrification. It's what happens when the property value of a certain area is brought down. Huh? You listening? Yeah. To bring the property value down. They can buy the land at a lower price. Then they move all the people out, raise the property value, and sell it at a profit. Now, what we need to do is we need to keep everything in our neighborhood, everything black. Black owned with black money. Yeah. Um, but then it comes up again in Last Black Men in San Francisco. Um, these these themes of gentrification, they're heartbreaking and it's it's awful. And it's it's great that they can use movies to sort of highlight the problem and educate on the problem, because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's something that we we don't even recognize is happening until it's already been done. It's like, oh, great. Like yeah. San Francisco has been completely done, you know, and um, anyway, as as far as like the horror genre and in using some of those themes, I feel like. Um, one thing that Jordan Peele's done a great job of is it it's I mean, how often do we in a horror movie we go down the checklist of things that we would do differently than the protagonist in our heads and like this yeah. idiot, like turn on the light, don't turn around, call yes. the cops, like do something different than what you're doing right now. It's the Jamie and, Kennedy scene from Scream where it's like, yeah. Don't say you'll be right back, like don't yeah. do all this stuff. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. And with Jordan Peele in his movies and then in this movie as well with Nia DaCosta, they're not these characters aren't falling for that. Like they're doing all the things that they should be doing. But what they've done differently is there's a real horror in the everyday lives of some of these characters mm-hmm. that eliminates those options. Like we're given a believable reason why they wouldn't directly call the police. We're given yeah. a reason why they wouldn't go straight to the hospital when his hands decaying. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like He's delaying his healthcare because there are real concerns that he faces for being black and for being in that community. So or being in that social status. And so it's like they're taking real things that people have to worry about in addition to the horror that's happening on screen. Whereas yeah. like before, it's like all we have to worry about is just like, oh, this is an escape. Like we're, we're watching teenagers, you know, mm-hmm. go through horror in the house. It's like, no, not only is the Candyman out killing people, but they can't call the cops. Exactly. That was like, it reminded me, the ending reminded me of the get out ending, uh, you know, where you think the cops are showing up and he's there on top of, you know, it's just like, oh no, he's going to get busted. Mm-hmm. Like he, he wasn't doing anything. And then they give us a switcheroo. It's like, oh, okay, this turned out all right. But this one, like the cops show up and it follows through, I think with mm-hmm. everyone's worst nightmare. It's like, yeah. oh my God, like everything she just went through. And now this, like, it's, I don't know the way they handled it, I think was, was very well done. But it's just like, oh, this was the other side of what Get Out could have been at the mm-hmm. end. And this time they just went through with what is unfortunately probably the more realistic ending of how this yeah. would have gone. Yeah, it's funny because like <clears throat> when you talk about the way that it ended and how it went exactly like we you know, thought it was going to go and how we talked about um, how explicitly it talks about the theme of the movie. And by which I mean gentrification and, um, you know, social status and access to you know nice place to live mm-hmm. <laughs> all those sorts of things um that was like in some ways it wasn't necessarily a complaint that i had with the movie 
but it was sort of something that I was like clocking mentally as like anticipation for a complaint someone else may have in that it was so directly pointed. Like there was no nuance to it. It was like, oh, they're talking about gentrification because they literally just told me they're talking about gentrification. Yeah. And there was like there was some part of me that was like not necessarily that I wish they would have been more nuanced because I feel like sometimes when you're trying to get across a point like that and a message like this movie's trying to get across, like maybe let's just say it instead of like being all cute, cute about it. You know what I mean? So yeah, um, it's not necessarily that it bothered me, but I, d- I did notice I was like, Oh, they're not trying to be like clever about this at all. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and some of it, like they, it's just like right out there when he's like, when he's telling him what the concept is behind his art piece and the guy's like, Oh, the South central is so played out, like do something else. You know, yeah. it's like sometimes they're really just on the nose with what some people right. you know, might be thinking, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. And so, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I kind of appreciated that it wasn't so nuanced, but I, I, you know, if you want to make the argument, hold on, Jasper wants to get up on my lap. Okay. <laughs> if you want to make the argument that that doesn't work for you as for a movie, then that's fine. Yeah. Um, that was a little treat for the the youtube viewers watching me wrestle <laughs> my dog to get on the last portland show you know <laughs> um but um but yeah i know i appreciate that they're telling that story you know i live in a highly gentrified neighborhood in portland and it's always the case like this is the neighbor like this is the neighborhood i can afford and it's like it's the yeah. up-and-coming neighborhood and so i move here and i get a place and then it's like god damn it like of course <laughs> you know i moved to like the most net gentrified neighborhood in my city right and mm-hmm. the same thing was true when i lived in salt lake like i spent most of my time living in rose park or parts of south salt lake or you know wherever that were like slowly becoming more and more gentrified and yeah um you know i don't really have a point on that but it's just like it definitely hit home for me because I'm like, I'm like right in the middle of what this movie is talking about. I'm in the middle of the projects being bulldozed and the luxury high rises being occupied by millionaires. Right. Like for sure I'm in that middle ground. So it was like, uh, it's always interesting for me. Like, you know, we watched do the right thing. Like Matt mentioned, um, the last black man in San Francisco, like it, it does certainly feel like, like you said, Matt, that it's becoming more of the conversation instead of the subtext. Right. And in some ways, I think that's what this movie did. They're like, we're taking the subtext and we're just going to make it the text. And then we're going to build a horror story around it. Yeah. I think they did a great job with that too, of like tying it into our protagonist, Anthony tying it into his like desire to focus Mm -hmm. on it because it seemed pretty natural that he's, you know, got writer's block, you know, for painters, painter's block i don't know what that would be called but <laughs> like he doesn't know what to do and then he you know he finds out about Candyman, and he starts doing his research and learning about how these neighborhoods were torn down and all that kind of stuff I'm like oh this is naturally fitting into the story really well so i believe why this character is so invested in the Candyman story why he's going to visit you know some of these projects and things like that like none of that was lost on me which i think was great because i was wondering about that through the trailers where i was like like is he the candy man or like why does he get involved with this like all that kind of stuff so i think yeah and and if this is a sequel why are you saying it you know it's real you know like if this is plausibly in the same timeline as those other movies like yeah 100 percent. i kind of want to talk about basically our elevator pitch here uh short of just like showing the trailer you know because again like i think kind of you know for man i really hooked us and 
we had seen it a long time ago because this was supposed to come out right at the, when the p- pandemic hit. This, I think, it's supposed to be like oh. March of 2020 or something like that, and they just like they pushed it back. Um, I, I could be wrong on that exact release date, but I know it was during the pandemic. So we saw a trailer a long time ago for it, but then Matt, we were together, I think, seeing the Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. and the trailer came on, and just seeing it on the big screen, I was just like, "Holy shit!" Like we've got to see this. Like, this is so good. And I messaged you right after Tyler in our little Slack chat. I was like, I think it's like on a scale of one to five B's, how many, like how much do you want to see this? And you're like, no B's. Like I do not want to see this at all. And I was like, well, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I think, movie I think club. we're going to watch this, but the things um, I'll do for movie club. And we, we appreciate it. We're very yeah. grateful. I can subscribe. Um, I want to know what scene would you show someone um, from this movie to kind of sell them on watching Candyman? you know, and letting them know like, this is worth your time. Even if you haven't seen the first one, which one really got you? I'll start with you, Tyler. Um, it's not so much that this scene really got me, but I think the reason I like this scene and I would show this to a person like myself that had some reservations or some trepidations about seeing the movie in the first place um i would show the scene where he goes to um shoot i forget the name of the place the projects that he goes to visit cabrini green cabrini green right i would i would show the first time he goes there with his camera and he's wandering around and he meets burke for the first time only because i just really loved um i just loved how it looked i loved how it was shot and i just wanted to show people that this movie is more than just like jump scares like it is interesting it's gonna look cool he goes and has the cool meeting with Burke and then yeah. you get, um, you know, you get the whole ghost story element thing. You get to see the cool animation, all that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think that's what I would show just because I want people to know that it's more than just someone getting their throat slit by a ghost and yeah. jump scares and stuff. It, I know in like these movies, like costume design, it, it seems like this is just like an everyday movie, like costume design doesn't really matter. They're just mm-hmm. like pick, but like, the stuff that they were wearing was cool, man. And Anthony looked yeah. cool 100% of the time. So for sure. I actually said that same thing. We're like, this is a great example of someone being so hot that they could wear a dumb hat and make it look cool. And I was like, yeah, like I, if I, I'm like, oh, I, I better see if I can pull this off. Cause this looks really good, you know, but it's just like, it almost feels like when we talked about purple rain, it's like, well, I mean, if Prince is wearing it, it's gotta be cool. And I felt yeah. that way about him. I was like, yeah, this guy's hot. Like he'll look good in anything. I'm like, I can't pull off that burgundy beanie on like my skull cap. Not with that <laughs> but it's like, but like, well, looking at him, I was like, yeah, dude, that's good. that guy was made for this beanie. Yeah. This is fantastic. Yeah. What would sure. you show him, Matt? Um, so you'll probably speak more to this a particular scene that I think we both agree on when you bring up yours, Ben. But I, in general, I really loved in the more like violent slasher sequences. Mm. They are not your run of the mill slasher sequences from other horror movies and i feel like this this is where um nia da costa is is showing a really unique take because she shows it from a different point of view in pretty much every instance yeah mm-hmm. and they're not stuff that you've seen before it, it's not like it's not like totally crazy like some of these aren't like crazy but like they are different and they it takes a different perspective of yeah. like these murders and it's kind of a a fresh like and refreshing take because you've kind of seen it all at this point or at least mm-hmm. you feel like you have and so then when you 
when you see like these sequences, it's like, oh, this is actually this is actually pretty cool. But I, if I were to pick a scene just to show, uh, I don't know, I, I kind of like that intro intro to the Candyman myth uh, sequence where mm. it's the young boy and she's using a lot of yellows yeah, um, to kind of build up to, you know, meeting the man on the wall yep. that I thought was pretty cool. And just like, yeah, that whole sequence, I think, would be what I would show if I didn't show the the scene that you're going to mention. Um, I'm kind of curious, just a quick side tangent as two guys who have seen the suicide squad and two guys who don't love gore. How did this movie hit you guys? Like, I don't feel like, I think I told Matt, I don't think it's as bad as the suicide squad. That one was like, you know, we go into the heart and stuff like that. So we, yeah. we definitely were getting those crazy shots, but was this gore for you guys over the top? Was it okay like in my mind this was like artistic gore where it was like it wasn't necessarily like too crazy but there was definitely plenty there i actually was uh was pleasantly pleased with the amount of gore not that i liked how much there was yeah but i liked how relatively little there was Mm -hmm. we only get really one scene that's like outright shows the murder most of the time throughout the movie after the the gallery scene Yep. It's either far away or uh, some sort of some like some like obscured in some way. Like you don't actually see the murder a lot, mm-hmm. at least that I remember. And so and I was actually, brief. Yeah. yeah. So I was I was happy about that. Um, And it's, it's funny when you mentioned Suicide Squad, like <laughs> I guess when I realized I first might have a problem with gore specifically was watching John Wick because mm. I was just was like, for whatever reason, I had was plausibly real like the story yeah. was and the movie was and so i just pictured every time i saw like a headshot i just like pictured an actual person being gone from the <laughs> yeah. world and it just was like a little much for me um i actually think i've softened up a little bit i think i was maybe i was going through something i don't know mm. because it didn't i don't love it you know what i mean i don't want i don't want to watch it but it didn't yeah. really bother me here because i think there was some part of me that like knows it's fake and, and yeah. whatnot but for whatever reason uh watching john wick and then what's that other sci-fi movie you had me watch a long time ago upgrade uh, yeah, oh yeah upgrade. yeah yeah there was marshall green there was some uh some scenes in there that i was like oh that's a little much for me but yeah it was funny i remember talking about that after john wick because that was the first time i had heard it from you as well and i think my like not rebuttal but my question was like well, what about game of thrones because i know you're watching <laughs> yeah. that you know and it's just like i think you even said at the time like i don't know that just feels like it's a different kind. It's like a, the fantasy old timey. It doesn't feel like this could be happening to me right now, which John Wick definitely does where it's like, it's yeah. in the moment. It's now it's like, this could happen. Um, yeah. What about you, Matt? Uh, just, just the listeners know Tyler and I are on a private message basis when we talk about <laughs> gore and <in> movies <laughs> after, and it's funny, Ben mentioned suicide squad. Cause after suicide squad, I'm like, Hey Tyler, just FYI, it's a little gory. <laughs> and then Tyler to me on this one, he's like, Hey, it's not as bad as you'd think. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Nice. So uh, we've got we've got gore chat going on. The benefits of movie club. Uh, yeah, just a, another perk of movie club. You need to know yeah. about gore. You know, get on Instagram, message me and Tyler, and yeah. we'll give you a scale. We'll be like, oh, it's this is from a scale of one to ten. This is a pepperoni pizza as far as yeah. gore mm-hmm. goes. Yeah. So. Or if you want to talk about an inconvenient truth, they will also talk to you about that movie. Well, <laughs> good old Al Gore. Yeah, we love. Yeah. Gore, we're, gore, we're 2000, all gore here. <laughs> gore 2004. 
I'm here to educate you about the single biggest threat to our planet. You see, there is something out there which threatens our very existence and may be the end to the human race as we know it. I'm talking, of course, about Man Bear Pig. Man Bear Pig? It is a creature which roams the Earth alone. It is half man, half bear, and half pig. Yeah, sorry, keep going. No, I mean, I, I agree with everything Tyler said. It wasn't, it really wasn't bad. I feel like the grossest parts was when he was picking at his infected hand. I it's hated like, oh, that. Right, yeah. yes. I was yeah. like, dude, it's don't ex- do that. You're in public, man. What are you doing? <laughs> I, I love the way they made the stuff, especially on his face, look like honeycomb. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it looked like, oh man, I thought that was so cool. Um, Yeah, the two scenes. I, so I had like a backup because I didn't know if you'd be going more into this first one, Matt. But um, I think the first thing that you and I both agree on is when Anthony goes to visit the critic who mm-hmm. basically like dismissed him at the art show. And then when what happens happens, she's like, Oh, this guy's going to be front page. I better like get him back in here. And so he's kind of skeptical about why he's there. Um, and then, you know, he's like, you, you really got to get into it if you really want to understand. So she says Candyman five times in the mirror and hijinks ensue in her apartment. <laughs> um, but there is just a, there's a fantastic shot at the end of that sequence that it's just like man like you're not you're not in the room with them but you know exactly what's happening and it just yeah. i think it hits you still just as hard as if the camera was two feet away it's like oh my god this is so cool mm-hmm. well um, that was like a moment where you could envision yourself being across the street in a different yes. high rise right and yeah like, it's like rear window ever, yeah mm-hmm. it's like when you stay in a hotel and you're like you're looking at like across the whatever across the street if you're in wherever you know you're like oh what are what are people doing in their rooms you're like you know whatever (laughs) like not trying to be not trying to be like peeping tom or whatever but you know what i mean just like yeah i think they they do a good job of using the camera as our pov like quite literally i know we talked about that a little bit in parasite with bong joon ho and how he uses the camera and i noticed it here as well because we get that scene where when anthony goes to the projects for the first time and he like he goes inside the building yeah and then the camera like the camera just turns to the right and looks back down the street and it's just like, it's looking away from him. He's like, I don't want to, we don't want to go in there with whatever he's doing. It's like, it's a very conscious decision for them to be, you know, turn the camera away from where our protagonist is now. Um, but along those lines, the, the backup scene I had, I want to talk about just because of how amazing uh, technically it was. And that that is like the murder that happens at the art gallery with like mm. the guy who owns it and his intern, because this was giving me like black swan vibes as far as mm. just like the mirror trickery, because that was the first time I remember just being blown away by like what they did as far as like shooting into a mirror and not seeing the camera, like all that post-production stuff like, whoa, this is amazing. This is so good. And they do it again here where it's just like we, we're seeing what's happening and you know, they're on like one side of the mirror, but then in the mirror, we can see Candyman and what he's doing, but these scenes match up perfectly. Like it just technically, technically it was an amazing sequence in my mind. Like I, I loved yeah. it. Alex mm. pointed that out too. She's like, how the hell did they even right? It's so good. That. Like we got that little bit in the girl's bathroom and stuff like that, which I'll, I'll talk about, but just the way they use the reflection and all that technical stuff, that might be the scene that I would show them just to be like, this is an idea of like what you're getting into as far as how well, these people are, are like executing these sequences with Candyman. So, um, yeah, I think all of them are great. I think honestly, we could show them anything, and 
if people want to see it, they'd be on board. You know, yeah. this is a movie you're definitely into or not. Um, so yeah, I want to, along those lines, get into some of our three films trivia. You know, if you did a little research into Candyman, or if there was stuff while watching the movie that was super interesting to you that you wanted to share mine, just to, you know, tag along to what I was just saying, the opening sequence, I really loved because all yeah. of like the opening credits and title super cards cool were reversed and it was like oh it's like it's in a mirror like they're letting us know what's happening right now this is so <laughs> cool because it's like are we inside the mirror like mm-hmm. looking through the screen or what's happening uh i found out the opening sequence in the original candy man is basically a helicopter shot looking down onto the streets of chicago so in this oh. movie they flipped it where it's like looking up at the sky through the streets of chicago through all the high rises i'm like that was a nice touch <laughs> you know as what's well. funny about that scene so i watched that with alex and she was doing like when I started it, she was just finishing up doing some yoga. Mm-hmm. So she was on the floor watching the TV and she's like, Oh wait, she's like, it felt like to her, like she was in the movie because yeah. like she was seeing it like from the perspective <laughs> you would normally be seeing it. That's awesome. <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah. The gallery fight, you know, I hinted at the the bathroom with all the girls in high school and how one girl drops her compact. And so we just have this little tiny mirror so we can see feet like we're inside a bathroom stall we can see feet and everything that's happening but then occasionally in the tiny little compact you just get like these little flashes of candy man and of what's going on i was like oh my god this is so so good because i think you know a a lesser director or cinematographer would have been like let's be in the bathroom showing them everything that's happening it's like no we've seen some of this stuff already like this is a unique way to do it because you're kind of in the the POV of that girl who's stuck in the stall. It's like, what is happening out there? This is kind of crazy. And yeah, just some of the, the reflection trickery that there's a one scene that we went back and watched a couple times. And it's when uh, uh, Tiana Paris goes to the laundromat and the door shuts behind her mm. and then just locks. I was like, Oh, that was cool. And then we went, we were awesome. Like, Oh, you can see Candyman in the reflection of like mm-hmm. the window of the door. That's also cool. Like, yeah, there's just so much stuff. Mm-hmm. So many little details where they just like hide him that i don't know i love it and also that it same great. scene we we talked earlier about you know the horror tropes we talked a little bit about horror tropes and whatever but um i liked that when she opened the door and like you see down into the basement and she, like she doesn't run into the basement like yeah mm-hmm. you know I, I thought that i thought it was cool they subverted some of those little tropes like that that was fun. yeah i think she just says like nope nope <laughs> like, turns around. She's like, like, like you said that she yeah. says like literally what you're thinking in your head you're like dude don't go down there and she, exactly. she doesn't it was it was a nice little payoff because i would literally it, would, it went in my head don't go down there and then she says nope and shuts the door so. <laughs> yeah or like her brother's like uh black people don't need to be summoning shit like i'm not yeah. doing this candy man thing like that we've got enough going on we don't need to do this like yeah i thought they, they handled it so well should I try it what summon the candy man uh, yeah, no. Black people don't need to be summoning shit. Oh, come on, that is nonsense. This isn't the bayou. Chicago, that's white people shit. Mm. Um, yeah, Matt, what, what would be uh, some of your trivia that you found from this? So, I guess, like, mine didn't come from, like, trivia from the movie. What I didn't know, I knew that the, the original existed. Um, I actually wanted to watch it before I watched this. I didn't get around to it. Same. What I didn't know was that there had been, you know subsequent sequels to that that this was essentially retconning and it sounds like based off of a couple of the reviews that i read after after watching it this one course corrects the the series away from 
just this, you know, mythological black killer who preys on white women, mm-hmm. which I think was a great, I think they did a great job of just like, you know, they don't even like it. That's not even a thing in this movie, you know, right. You yeah. don't even think about it that way. Whereas I think the first one, maybe you do just because the protagonist is a white woman. Um, yeah. But in this one, it's like, that's not even a theme. And so it, it's interesting that they kind of went all in on that idea, like for three movies. And mm-hmm. this one just feels like it feels more honest and it feels like, yeah, I don't know. I, I just thought that that was cool. I didn't feel like I missed anything um, from the other ones. Yeah. Even having not seen them. Yeah. Uh, and I, like you said, like with all the exposition, like I feel like I don't need to really see the the original movie anymore right. unless just out of curiosity right yeah and then kind of explain that a lot of these guys have been like falsely accused of crimes and that's kind of where this all stems from right that you know so i thought that was like a great way to go back and just like correct the story like it's not that they're just killers or anything yeah that's that they were murdered unjustly you know because they were accused of crimes they didn't commit and that's what the lore that's what like the you know the candy man lore is all about yeah so, yeah yeah i thought it was great yeah, I jumping on since we're talking about the old one um, while we were watching it, Alex told me this, but apparently I, I, I thought it was about this movie and maybe it was. But everything I found was about the original and how they used real bees for the for the bees. Oh, wow. And the actor Tony Todd made a deal saying uh, he made a deal to get paid a thousand dollars per bee sting. <laughs> oh. So. In total, he was stung 23 times, so he made a cool 23 grand extra nice. for the wow. stings. So I thought that was, I just thought that was interesting. And he was probably like trying that. to aggravate some of them. So like, yeah, right? yeah. Um, like pinching himself really yeah. hard. <laughs> but um, the one trivia that I thought was funny, and I, I definitely noticed it in the movie, in the gallery scene, uh, when he's, he's saying into the mirror, he's like, must go faster, must go faster. And that mm-hmm. was a direct reference to Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park. I, thought, I just thought that was fun because... Yeah where when they're in the in Jurassic Park, they're in the Jeep and they're watching the T-Rex in the mirror. And so they just it was like the tie in was, you know, saying must go faster into the mirror. So I thought that was cool. Oh, there it is. So many good touches in this movie. Um, Well, I think it's time for our Adam Driver drive in double feature. Let's do um, it. Candyman, I think, is a fantastic reentry into a classic horror film. Um. So I want to know what you guys would pair this spiritual sequel with. Would it be the original Candyman? Would you just do a back-to-back one-two? Or is there something else that you think would fit well with this movie? Tyler, I'm going to throw it to you for your first pairing. Okay. Well, so as much as I definitely understand that what this movie is about, and by that I mean... Uh, you know, the gentrification and the story of Candyman and stuff. I also thought a lot of it had to do with like the artist's obsession. Right. Mm. And um, um, yeah. I'm forgetting his name. He's the guy in the movie that we follow that ends up being Candyman. Uh, Anthony. Anthony. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we watch him become obsessed with Candyman and um, you know, all his, all the works that he creates. And he definitely has that like, uh, a man possessed vibe to him. 100%. And so I just was like, well, what other movies could we pair? And so one of the first <laughs> I thought was close encounters. Um, I thought mm. it was like, oh, okay, that's cool. It has like the man obsessed. Um, but really I think the shining fits tonally Ooh. and, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, it's both like the place has a lot to do with it as well as the actual story. And I, so 
you know, if you want to start with Close Encounters and then move into Candyman so you're not just like completely bombarding yourself with terror. <laughs> but otherwise, I think I would start with Candyman and close with The Shining. If you want, yeah, fun. a triple feature of men ruining their family's lives based <laughs> yeah. on their obsession. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> Watch these three movies. <laughs> That's awesome. How about you, Matt? I, uh, I hesitate to put a Richard Gere movie on here. Richard <laughs> Gere, you know, like and subscribe to our podcast. It's not you, yes, it's me. <laughs> um, but uh, I, w- I think I'd pair it with The Mothman Prophecies. Okay. And uh, for those unfamiliar with The Mothman Prophecies, it's a very similar, it's in the vein of this urban legend, you know, horror figure that's, you know, haunting people, causing these mm-hmm. things and is, is, uh, uh, depicted in art, you know, around. And so I was drawing that parallel. And I'm like, oh, that would be an interesting, maybe that's too much, like two, two similar things in a row. But I, I just had that thought and I was like, okay, that's, you know, yeah, it's great. Decent pairing. Yeah. I love that. Um, I went more with a, I guess like a thematic pairing here of kind of an update on a horror classic. Uh, I went with the new, uh, invisible man with Elizabeth mm. Moss. Uh, I don't know if either of you guys have seen that, but yeah. so well done. Um, yeah. my first thought was just like, Oh, it's an update on a horror movie, like the old, you know, universal monsters kind of thing. But then I was like, Oh, it's also kind of a movie about like a villain who you can't always see, but mm-hmm. who's there, which is kind of cool. And again, like talking about the horror genre, having kind of a subtext to the, the meaning so much of invisible man is about Elizabeth Moss not being believed when she's like mm. saying what's going on. Yeah. And I think we see that unfortunately. I mean, there's stuff in the news right now about like women kind of explaining the situation they're in and then just like not being believed mm-hmm. and you know what that, what that can turn into sometimes. Um, so I think this, that movie did a great job kind of highlighting that. Um, and I just think, yeah, they're kind of both go hand in hand here. So I would, I would show those two movies together. But along those lines, I think it's time for us to go to our Rushmore Mountain. These are OR scrubs. Oh, are they? And today I want to do 21st century horror movies. So anything from the year 2000 to right now, I want to know what are your guys' four favorite horror movies that have come out in the last 21 years? Matt, do you want to go first? Yeah. So I based mine as, you know, Tyler says he's a broken record. I feel like I'm a broken record. So if <laughs> if, if you're listening to the broken record of me and Tyler, he's the verse. I'm the chorus. You know, um, you're the good part. Yeah. <laughs> you're the part that everyone sings along with. I'm the part that people can't get out of their head. So <laughs> this might not be a good thing. Anyway, um, the, I, I based mine off of, since I'm not a big horror fan, I, based mine off of the ones that have stuck with me um, mm. that maybe when I was younger, you know, scared me more than others or that I thought about more. So my number one would probably be strangers. You know, it's a great home Ooh. intrusion movie. Yeah. yeah. That movie's crazy. <laughs> it's terrifying. Yeah. I, that's one that I, I don't rewatch just cause home intrusion to me, you know, doesn't get scarier than that. Um, mm. Next one, the ring. The Ring is kind of a similar one to, to this one. Um, I know it's based off of a Japanese movie, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that's another one where it's like, oh, there's this myth and, you know, this happens. And then they, you know, they kind of get involved in it. Uh, that one was 
that one resonated with me. Uh, what Lies Beneath uh, was another one. And then Mothman Prophecies I threw on there just because I, I remember thinking about that one a lot for a long time. There's like this pose. There's like this pose that the Mothman does that like I was scared of that pose for a while. <laughs> I've like, never oh, seen it. And I feel like yeah, now same. I need to. Yeah. There's like this pose. It's like, it's like oh, man, every time I see that now, I'm going to be scared. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It's a Mothman. Um, well, you know, after the after the chorus comes the verse, after the verse comes the chorus. So I'm going to echo well, a lot of bridge? what Matt says. Uh, I'm Ben's, coming up. Ben's the bridge. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, like huge caveat to like, I haven't seen a ton of like what, what I think of as like true horror films. So mm-hmm. I went to a list as I, as I am uh, known to do. And so I, 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 I typed in best horror movies of the 21st century and one that popped up that, the reason I'm qualifying it so heavily is because I don't know if it technically counts, but Black Swan. Um, yeah, it was on a list of horror movies. I actually don't think of it as a horror movie, but I had to put something on there. And that's one of my favorites. Yeah, it's on there. Can't take uh, talk about how gross it was that scene where he's picking off his skin. True. Her doing yeah. that with her like fingernail, like just yeah. sticks in my brain. That's like, yeah, you know, it's like a fake hand, but it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard. Yeah, I, I love that movie. Um, someone described it to me as the female American psycho, which I thought was pretty oh, appropriate. Yeah. Um, that it takes up half of my Crushmore Mountain. So I feel like Black Swan's got to be on there. Um, us, I mean, you could mm. just go us or get out. But the first one that I thought of was was us. So mm. I had to put nice. us on there. Um, Bird Box. I actually, I, for whatever reason, I watched Bird Box mainly because it was like, a meme when it came out mm-hmm. you know what i mean like it yeah, was just netflix was like watch this it was it was that it was all over twitter and everything so yeah um, and i thought it was really it, it was it freaked me out mm-hmm. uh it made me i didn't like the way i felt when i watched it and so i was like <laughs> it was effective it deserves to be on my list um and then one that i actually did have fun watching and i'm pretty sure you recommended to me initially ben was cabin in the woods yeah that one's so good that, i mean that it's falls insane. into the kind of like satirical was like yeah. commenting on what the genre is but it is a great job if you don't know it mm-hmm. of starting out like a classic horror movie right um and then yeah it kind of spins on its head and it's still a horror movie but it's just like very aware of what it is yeah mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it awesome. i had a lot of fun i don't really remember it that well but i just remember thinking like okay that time was time cool. to watch it again yeah, yeah right? they did a great job tis the season um yeah i mean i had a man i had a list and i'm glad you guys have said some of them to help like kind of take them <laughs> off but uh the one that's like really stuck with me the most would be get out that i mean that one was mm-hmm. just like yeah crazy it was mm-hmm. so good um while i enjoyed hereditary quite a bit i actually love midsummer even more so i would throw midsummer on mine um I'm trying to think like I'm looking at my list here. There's so many because there's stuff like Shaun of the Dead, which is a great commentary on what horror movies are and those kind of tropes and everything. So I I probably probably throw that one on there. Um, And then, man, I I honestly I really liked this movie, but I think in the spirit of talking about something else, I got to say I'm down between two. Have either of you guys seen Train to Busan or 28 Days Later? I've seen those 28 days later and I almost feel like train to Basan. We almost need, we almost need to put it on one of our lists as a tribute to our fallen guest who got 
taken by Candyman. I listened to That's his true. podcast earlier and he That's really true. liked Train to Busan. So let's do that then train to busan is great that's a that's a uh i don't know i don't know what to say about it it's so good i guess would have liked that yes yes <laughs> R. Um, but yeah you know but it, it is what it sounds like it, i mean just check out watch the trailer it's so well done um and if you have the time 28 days later also yeah. another great movie um some great visuals in that of just like honorable Being mention in downtown london is just like empty you know it reminds yeah. me of the vanilla sky scene with tom cruise in Times square which is like this is so uncanny to see these places empty um yeah so yeah honorable mention for 28 days later but yeah uh get out midsummer Shaun of the dead and train to busan i think I like we all it. have some pretty solid choices here yeah guys Absolutely. is there anything else you want to say other than Candyman five times before we wrap up this episode <laughs> Um, I'll say it four times and then I'll use my fifth time to just shout out the animation again. We yeah. haven't really talked about it. I mean, we talked about it a little bit and I don't really know what else to say about it, but it's just really cool. I'm <laughs> just glad there's people doing that kind of stuff and it, you know, fit the theme really well. And I pretty yeah. much love any time they use a different media to show some storytelling in the middle of a yeah. movie. I'm all yeah. for it. Ooh, I love it. I just, I came up with a new pairing. I'm going to pair this with Moana. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay remember how because moana opens up with uh oh yeah like that. the grandmother telling the story yeah on, like the whatever i don't know so we'll show <laughs> moana first and then the kids will go to sleep and then we'll watch the candy yeah, there we go. <laughs> it reminded me of um is it the first or second of the final harry potter movie where they go and tell the story of how the deathly hollows came yeah, to be i think it's a, i think it's the last I think one it's, yeah i like kind of got those vibes from it yeah. i don't think it was like marionette stuff but very similar like the silhouette kind yeah. of story yeah. they did a great job with that i hesitate yeah. um, to say this out loud because i know what it might do to me but i've never seen the harry potters have you, well, have you read them i've seen there's six movies and i've seen there's all eight of movies so there's eight movies <laughs> have you read them, i think though? i've seen a total of one i've read the first book I've seen a pivotal scene in one of the Harry Potters and then all of the first movie, I think. I mean, his birthday's in July, so maybe just all of July we need to do all the Harry Potter movies. We'll just do one big long episode <laughs> recapping all the Harry Potter movies. <laughs> I mean, I'd be down. I actually have been looking for a reason to like make myself watch him. Just yeah, make, I mean, there's four weeks mainly we just so I can know get, getting past the thing you have to get past the first the first two are enjoyable, but I feel like if you've read the book, they're endearing enough where it's like, you know, I like what's going on here. But from the people who haven't read the book, I've heard that the first two are the hardest to get through mm. because yeah. they're, they're kid movie enough where it's like, this isn't really for me. Like, this is fine, but it's not for me. Once yeah. you get you pass the hump of the third movie, I feel like then it's like, OK, I'm on board with this. Yeah, Chris Columbus really set the tone well, I think, with the first two movies of like how it started out of being like a kid's movie um so i think that they work well in that sense like matt said if you've read it you get it the third one to me is the best movie alfonso Cuaron, like directing prisoner of azkaban same guy who did like gravity like he mm -hmm. like i i love what he did with that movie so who knows yeah maybe we'll watch that next year because i'm always up for a harry potter fest and i have a no, feeling same. some of our followers are too so let us yeah. know if you're listening to this like and some hate mail for yeah, Angie, jump on that patreon you can yeah there's ways you can make us watch stuff let's pick it um yeah and just like to hit real quickly uh, the cgi was great because it was 
we knew it was happening, but it wasn't distracting. I don't think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was more just like, man, this is so cool. Like, I don't know how they're doing. This was great. It's not like necessarily in your face of all, yeah. like the CGI. I think that's when it's done really well when it seems natural. So, um, yeah. Thank you everybody for listening. Go see Candyman If you haven't already, I feel like it's a recommend from all three of us. Yeah. I think yeah. we're all like, check it you out. Know, fan of it. So check it out. Let us know what you think. Um, tell us what your favorite horror movies are in the last 21 years. I'm really curious to hear mm-hmm. what everyone else's take is on that. Yeah. What you think about our Rushmore. Uh, and then yeah, follow us everywhere at three films pod, and we will see you next week to talk about another cult classic Rocky horror picture show. Ooh. First time. Very excited. See you guys. Bye everybody. See ya. sunrise sprinkle it with dew comfort it in chocolate and a miracle or two it's the candy man the candy man can candy man can pass he mixes it with love and makes the world taste good 